0: Hi there. You're listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast, TCC, a home for you. All right. Good morning, Trinity. How are you doing today? Um, I don't know if you can tell, uh, but our world's a little little wonky. Now, have you noticed that? You know, we're going to pray a little bit about some things that happened this week. But um, I felt like one of the things that God wanted me to do today was just to remind you again of who you are. You're the light of the world, a city on a hill. We're the ones, we're the keepers of the flame, the good news of Christ. And the worst thing that could happen in our world today is for us to be less than what God called us to be. The worst thing that could happen for us today is for us to be silent. Or even worse, just inward focus. I remember uh, you know, when we first uh, came here a few years ago. We, uh, you know, we did Family Fest, and, I, and somebody asked me, well, Pastor, why are we doing Family Fest? You know, we're gonna, we should be hunkered down on that day. How many of you were from the, you know, don't raise your hand, but you were from the thing, well, on, on Halloween night, we shut our lights off, you know, and we hide. And even worse than that, maybe you kept your lights on, and instead of giving candy, you threw tracks at them. <laughs> Nothing says I love Jesus like a chick track on, th- on Halloween night, right? And then somebody say, Pastor, why are we doing this? Do you know why we do what we do for Family Fest? Because lost people matter to God, and they should matter to us. That's why we do it. So I want to encourage you, don't shrink back, stand up, be the church this year. It's one thing to do it just for fun, and are we going to have fun? Absolutely. You cannot have cotton candy to place in a place and not have fun. But that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this to give you an opportunity to push back the forces of darkness to awaken people's hearts with the gospel. How can they know if nobody tells them? How can they be free if nobody goes to seek and save those that are captive? So we need your help. Like, you know, Alex and these guys said, we need you to pray. Don't forget, Prayer for Extreme is coming up on the 16th. You know, it's our 24-hour prayer thing. Why are we praying? Because prayer is the gasoline in the engine of the church. If you want the church to move, we have to pray. The last I checked, the church is not a building. The church is a people, not a place. You're the church. Sign up, pray. And don't forget to get engaged for our family fest stuff. It's going to be great. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. This isn't just an alternative that's safe to what's going on out there. This is an opportunity for people to move from death to life. The only thing you have, beloved, is people. All your stuff someday will be somebody else's. That cool house, that car, you get to rent it. You don't get to own it forever. You don't. So I want to encourage you. Get involved. Remember why you uh, exist. And do me a favor. This year, don't be content with just doing things. Be Jesus' hands and feet. You know what my prayer is this year? That uh, this year uh, we see people come to Christ in, in ways we've never seen before. Not from the stage, but from you. Some of you have never led anybody to Jesus before. This is your October the 28th, baby. I pray for God to heal people on that day. I want to see people that are in wheelchairs come out of their wheelchairs. But can God do that with hot dogs and candy and inflatables? Uh Uh-huh. You know what he's looking for? You. He's looking for a yes. What he asked Isaiah is the same question that he asked us today. Who will go for us? Who will speak for us? So just say yes. And see what God can do. Are you with me, beloved? sign up. Uh, one other thing we got to talk about, too, is this. Uh, some of you have heard the stuff that's going on in Israel. Uh, you know, Israel is uh, under attack right now. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that uh, those that bless Israel, God will bless them. We stand with Israel. And we pray for peace in that entire region. The ones that are really getting just butchered over there are the innocent people that uh, are stuck in the crosshairs of war. And uh, we're going to pray. How many of you know that regardless of where somebody's born, they're made in the image of God. So we as a church, we pray, you know, for the, the image bearers. We pray that God would, would, would save them. We pray that God would, would care for them. And then we practically help to, uh, to help their, their physical needs. We have a couple organizations that are there right now. A Convoy of Hope is mobilizing. They can't go into the, to the war zone yet because it's too active. But we do have a ministry there. Uh, Eagle's Wings does feeding programs inside Israel right now. They've got four feeding programs in Israel. They're right there. I talked to Robert Stearns this morning. Rockets are flying over their heads as you and I talk right now. Uh, They are targeting not military installations. They are targeting buildings with civilians um, because we're not talking about territory. They're talking about the extermination of a people. Do you understand that? So we're going to pray for God to bring peace there. And then we're going to practically help, and we're going to ask the Lord what he can do for us here. And as I have more opportunities as they arise, uh, I'm going to present them before you. But for now, we are going to be deploying some funds to help to feed people that have lost their homes and that are on the run. So we're going to pray. I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you. Father, right now, uh, you told us to pray for Israel, so we're praying for Israel. We're praying, that Father, that you would bring peace in that region. Father, not peace that is fleeting and not peace that's built on just compromise, but, Father, peace that is deep and peace that is lasting, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray first of Lord God for the innocence, Lord God. We pray that, God, you would protect those that are caught in the crosshairs right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that, that God, the, the thing that is motivating the hearts of these men and women, Lord God, uh, to, to, to willfully walk into these acts of atrocity, Lord God, we pray that, Father, that you would dissipate those things in their heart in the name of Jesus. We don't pray uh, just against people, Lord God. We pray against the things that are, that are inspiring the people to do this. We pray against, uh, uh, against powers and principalities, Lord God, and dark forces that are right now, Lord God, trying to, to snuff out the lives of people. Father, we pray that your shalom would be in that region. Father, you'd push back the darkness. Pray that, Father, you'd give the leaders their wisdom and how to care for their people. And, Father, I pray in the midst of this chaos that they would turn to you. Show us, Lord, as churches, how we can help and how we can love and support. In your name, and everybody said. Pray for them. We actually have boots on the ground. Like I said, I'll have more information as it gets out there. Right now, it's just crazy. I was on a conference thing with Conference of Hope this morning, and they're, they're trying to get in there, but they just can't right now. Um, so Family Fest is upon us, which is crazy. Now, Family Fest is a big deal for us at Trinity. If you've not been at Trinity very long, it's a big deal because it's one of the ways that we love our community extravagantly. I don't know if you know this or not, but every once in a while, churches in a community get a bad rap because we have been, we have been tagged as takers, not givers. I had somebody tell me this in college like 150 billion years ago when I was in college. They said, ask yourself this question as a pastor. If our church were to disappear tomorrow, if the church you lead were to disappear tomorrow, would your community even notice? Or would they be better? Now, I'd like to think this. If Trinity were to disappear tomorrow, our community would have a hole in it. That's what we want. We want to be able to, to pour into people's lives. That's why we do the event totally free. We don't charge anybody any money. I love messing with people on the day of the event. Because there ain't nothing in life for free, but this, right? People come in, oh, well, you just don't charge, you get in, but you charge for food. No, we don't. I have people complain about hot dogs. Well, I want a better hot dog. You can all you want. The price is right. It's free 99. <laughs> That's just what you get. It's free 99. Well, you're going to get us on the inflatables. You're going to charge us money. Nope. The animals, nope. You're going to make us give. Nope, 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 nope. It's totally free. We're going to love you like that. It's totally free. So as we get rolling, you know, we got all these things. If you've never been a part of it, you're going to love it, man. we got inflatables. we got candy coming out of our ears. We even have a corn maze. I remember a few years ago, we owned all this land over here, and we would do like, hey, and I think Michael Parascavich, one of the elders, was like, well, let's use it. Let's do corn over there. And I was like, that's a great idea because I love corn. Corn makes a lot of things that I'm very fond of, like Doritos, right? Can I get a witness game? Yeah, you're right. So we decided to plant corn there, and with the corn, we decided to make a corn maze. and It was great. Um, and I've gotten a lot of enjoyment over there. I'll, I'll go over there. Just so you know, as you're praying for the event, you know, we encourage you, if you can get over to the property, walk through the property and pray. On the 28th, there's going to be thousands of people here. Pray here. Walk through the corn maze. Pray in the corn maze. So I made it a practice of praying through the corn maze and stuff like that just because it's cool and it's nice. So last year, I was hanging out up here. It was after a Wednesday night. And I'm hanging out with, uh, with Toby and Ben. And we're up at the, the, this is like monkey one and monkey two right there. And we're hanging out there and they're looking at the corn maze. This is night, it's dark. And they're like, hey, let's go. We should walk through the corn maze at night. Because how many of you know it's a little, little, little scary out there at night, right? Because you don't know what's going to pop through the maze out there. You got deer out there. There could be a Sasquatch running around. I don't know. So I say, let's go down there. So we go down there, we're walking through the maze. And as we're walking down there, the boys are telling me how fearless they are. They're young guys. They got the testosterone going. Toby's even doing, a, I don't even know what you call him. What do they do, like the live thingy? What's that called? Yeah. Was he doing a video blog or something like that? And he's walking through the corner and he's like, yeah, this ain't bad. This ain't scary. I don't know. And as, as we're walking through the corner at night, I am hit. Well, I think it's the Holy Spirit. I am hit with this, with this thing of inspiration. This would be a great opportunity to test how fearless these two young men really are. So I devise in my head the spectacular plot, this plan. And this is how it goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Greek guy, you know. I'm gonna let these guys get talking up in their stuff. And I'm just gonna kind of drift into the darkness. And at the right moment, I'm gonna hop on them like a puma and we're gonna test and see how fearless they really are. So we're doing our stuff, and and I just slowly drift away because these guys are talking so much trash to each other, it's like nobody else is even on the planet. You know what I'm talking about? It's Toby and Ben's world, and we're all just living in it, you know? So I kind of back up, and I kind of disappear into the darkness, and Ben realizes TJ's gone. They don't know where I'm at. That's when I start to put my plan into action. Now, have you ever dreamed of a scenario Something would would play out, and you thought, man, it'd be great if it happens like this. Have you ever had a dream scenario happen, though, that went far and beyond any of your expectations? (laughs) This was about to happen to me. So I let the boys get up, and they were probably about maybe 40 yards from exiting the maze. It was pretty thick, dark in there, and I'm way in the back, probably about 20 yards away, and that's when I decided to make my move. I started to run at these guys. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a 230-pound Greek man moving quickly through the corn. Pretty frightening, apparently. I come right up on him, and I scream, Wah! and Ben jumps into Toby's arms. <laughs> Swear to goodness. And he holds him, and they go, ah! and I was like, mission accomplished, baby. If only we could have video of this stuff, right? it was like the greatest thing ever. How many of you know fear is a powerful emotion? It is. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been startled? Have you ever had something with fear, you know, make you do something that you don't want to do? It's kind of like pain, man. You step on a Lego, you start doing the Macarena, things that you normally think you couldn't do physically you can do. Fear is the exact same way. It makes you act different. It makes you react in ways actually that usually aren't healthy and normal. Now, a little bit of fear isn't bad. God gave you fear to protect yourself. But how many of you know that if you allow fear to have full reign of your life, nothing good happens from that? You can't live under the oppression of fear for very long and have it not affect you. Fear is a big deal, and especially for us as believers. <laughs> Beloved, we need to react to fear differently than the world does. And here's my, 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 something that breaks my heart. We don't. In fact, a lot of times, people in the house of God, we're more fearful than people outside the house. And we have all the answers. We have the antidote. Fear is a big deal. That's why we're talking about it this whole month. So last week, we kicked off our series, Fear Not, and we talked about one of the biggest things that keeps us from God, the fear of intimacy with him, the fear of understanding what type of relationship he wants with us. We're afraid like he's going to know everything about us, even though he already does. Hello, spoiler alert, he's God. He knows the hair on your heads or what used to be there. And still he loves you, right? Today we take another step and we look at another aspect of fear. This is something that I think grips us as well, and it really can derail the entire course of your life. It's the fear of the unknown. The fear of what could be out there. worry. Do you know anybody that's a worrier? Are you sitting next to somebody that's a worrier? <laughs> and you're like, this are like, this is going to test our marriage, pastor. You know? Do you know this? This is nuts. 90% of the things you worry about never come to pass. Do you know that? Think about that. All the things that you're worried about, all those things, 90% of those things never come to pass. In fact, let's just be real. Not knowing around the corner what's there sometimes freaks us out. Could be anything. Anything with the unknown. Could be a new job. Could be a a transition. Could be a new relationship. Even the fear of the unknown of the closer you get to God, what God may ask of you. Have you ever been nervous of that? Well, if I get too close to God, he may ask me to do something nuts. Like, you know, go to like, you know, Morocco. Morocco. Or someplace like that. I you can, you know, I, I pray stuff, you know, like this all the time. Lord, if you're gonna send me, don't send me to Hawaii, Lord. <laughs> Any place but Hawaii, right? Now, how many of you know he knows? He does. We get afraid of the unknown. And the shame of it is this we're surrounded by the unknown. In fact, your faith is called faith for a reason. We're just not gonna know some things. You're going to have to step into the unknown, into these things that we just don't understand sometimes. And unless you know how to deal with the unknown, your life as a believer is going to be miserable because we're surrounded with the unknown, we're surrounded with trouble. Um, I have been a diabetic since my my early 20s. It's in my family, my cousins have it, everybody has it. So that means that I've been taking insulin for like 30 years now. So there's certain things you have to do as a diabetic to, to make sure that you're on course things. things. One of the things that I've got to get checked twice a year is my eyes. This isn't just so you can get glasses. This is so they can make sure that, you know, if, you're, if you're, your sugar's out of control, your eyes will start to bleed and you eventually go blind. So I was at my doctor's about four years ago, been to her for a while, and I go in there and what they do, have you been to like the optometrist recently? The heavy equipment they have now is just breathtaking. Back when I first got into it, they had the little thing that stuck your eye and you'd have to kind of read all the stuff. Now they got things that whiz, they stick it on the top of your face, and you're like, things go bad. Are you gonna like put a laser beam in my head? So I'm there, and they're doing all the stuff. And then for me, you know, they're worried about macular degeneration. That's if your eyes start to bleed. So they take pictures of your eyeballs, and then they compare your eyeball pictures about every six months to see if there's any change. So I'm in there sitting, and everything's great. And I wait for the doctor, they take the pictures of my eyeballs, and wait, and then the doctor comes in, and she comes in, and she has a little thing on the computer. She goes, Well, Mr. Harris, she goes, Oh my gosh. How many of you know if you're in a doctor's consult, to start off with? Oh my gosh, is not a good way to start. Let's just say my spidey sense was tingling. I was like, "What's going on here?" She goes, "Well, this this is bad." I'm like, what do you mean it's bad? She goes, "Well, she says your eyes have changed so much." She says, "All these blood vessels have burst, and it's 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 bad." She goes, "I've never seen such change in six months." This is insane. And she starts going through the list. She goes, we got to get you scheduled right away because they have this surgery where they actually had lasers, and they, 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 they cauterize all the bleeding. And she goes on and on and on. And as she's talking to me, I'm, getting, I'm going, oh, my gosh. Have you ever had a call from the doctors like that? Like, what do we do? And all of a sudden, she goes, wait a second. She goes, you're TJ, right? I go, yeah. She goes, oh, I have the wrong file. <laughs> True story. So I looked at her. She looked at me. I must have looked distressed. She goes, I'm, I'm sorry. She goes, did I upset you at all? I go, yeah, you upset me quite a bit. How about next time I'm here for the eye doctor, I can't read the name on the top of the file, but you can. Right? Let's get that right. Fear. You know what's funny? In like 30 seconds, I had already processed what my life might be like as a blind man. 30 seconds. Isn't that what we do, Beloved? Isn't that where fear takes us? I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I may never see what I'm going to eat again. For a Greek, that's a big deal. It is. Fear. So how do we navigate fear? Specifically, how do you navigate things that haven't even come to pass yet? How do you navigate the unknown? Well, today we're going to look at the life of a woman that I think had that exact problem. In fact... Her stakes were much higher than just, you know, some of our piddly things that we deal with. The thing that she had to face with the unknown not only dealt with her life, but also dealt with the life of an entire people group. If you have your Bibles, turn to Esther chapter 4. We're going to look at the story of Esther. Now, for some of you, this is a brand new story. You don't even know who Esther is. I'm amazed every week that people come up to me like, Pastor, when you use these Bible stories, man, I don't even know, I've never heard of these things. We live in a postmodern world. You know what that means? That means that, you know, before people went to church, they learned learned the Bible stories, learned stuff. We're not like that anymore. So I never take for granted that people know all the stories. But I want to encourage you, after I get done, if you want to know about who Esther is, open up the book and just read the whole book. It's a fascinating book. It's a great story. Let me give you a little bit of a background here to Esther. Our story takes place in the kingdom of Persia. Now, the king of Persia, you know, he's got a queen, and, 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 and the queen doesn't please the king, so he disposes of her. So he's on the lookout for another queen. So he goes out through all the kingdom, and he finds Esther. Now, Esther is a beautiful woman. He finds her. He falls in love with her, and, and he invites her, and she becomes his new queen. Now, there's a few things about Esther that the king's not aware of. One is this, that she's a Jew. Now, the king, in his service, he also has another Jewish man named Mordecai, who's basically been like a father to Esther. So as the story goes on, another man, Haman, on the royal staff, becomes jealous of Mordecai. In fact, he becomes so jealous of Mordecai, he devises this this evil plot to trick the king into creating an edict that would mean the extermination of all the Jews in the kingdom. They'd pick a specific day, and anybody in the kingdom could kill a Jew and take all of their things. How many of you know this is a pretty big deal? So this bad thing happens... Mordecai finds out about this edict, this plan, and he goes into deep mourning. This is where we pick up Esther's story. Esther chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Then Mordecai learned about all that had been done. He tore his clothes and he put on burlap and ashes, and he went into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. As the news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hatach, uh, which was king's, uh, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to her as, as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and to find out what was troubling him and why he was mourning so Hachach went to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the, entire whole, the, the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Verse 8, Mordecai gave Hachach uh, a copy of the decree issued to Susa in Susa that called for the death of all the Jews. He asked Hachach uh, to show it to Esther and to explain the situation to her. He also asked Haytach to direct her and to go to the king and to beg for mercy and to plead for her people. Verse 9. So Haytach returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hachach to go back and to relay this message to Mordecai. Look at verse 11. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner circle court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called me to come into him for 30 days. Verse 12. So Hatach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. For if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen? For just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, verse 16. Go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, uh, day or night. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it's against the law, I will go and see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything that Esther had ordered him. What incredible story. What a crazy situation. Isn't it interesting that, you know, sometimes when you think life is bad for you, it's always good to get somebody else's perspective on their life, right? Sometimes we think persecution is, well, that guy took my spot at the Chick-fil-A. That's not persecution. It's not. So here you have this remarkable woman that's in an incredibly awkward and terrible situation. What can we gather from this story, the story of Esther, that will help us when we navigate the fear of the unknown? The first is this, and know this. And I know this is simple, but sometimes it just sideswipes us. and We don't process it right. Know that in our world, problems will persist. Now, what does it mean that problems will persist for us? That means this. As a believer, that does not mean that you're exempt from trouble. It doesn't mean that you're exempt from problems. It's not. But sometimes we live our lives as believers like we are. We're shocked when trouble comes our way, aren't we? Oh, my gosh, how could that happen? I follow Jesus. I've crossed every T. I've dotted every I. Every Does he not know who I am? He knows who you are. He also understands this. Trouble is a part of our world. You can't read the pages of the Bible and not encounter people that had to deal with trouble. They all do. You know, some of you know Moses. How many you ever heard of Moses? We sang about him today, right? Moses faced trouble. Moses feared speaking before Pharaoh, and he, he was afraid to lead an entire nation of people, you know, out of the most powerful nation of the world into freedom. He struggled to speak. He had a speech impediment, and he was just afraid. God helped him in his fear, and we still talk about Moses today, Right? Or how about Elijah? The story of Elijah is incredible. Elijah, the prophet of God, has this, this brouhaha, this duel with all the prophets of Baal. They're on Mount Carmel, and they build these altars, and the, the, uh, the thing is simple. The God that's real is going to be the God that answers with fire, and the prophets of Baal can't make it happen. Elijah does. God answers with fire. Hello, that's a pretty big deal. This is before Hollywood His altar is consumed. All the prophets of Baal are killed, and everything looks great. And then Jezebel, the queen, says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. You know what he does? He runs. Ah! Like a muppet, he runs away. He just called down fire from heaven. Like a muppet, he's gone. Fear. How about Gideon? You know, we find Gideon in his story. Gideon's in a wine press. He's so afraid of the Midianites. He's in a wine press threshing wheat. Hopefully that somebody can find him so he can feed his family. That's where the angel of the Lord finds him. And he looks at Gideon, he goes, hello, mighty warrior. He's hiding. Head in the sand. Hello, mighty warrior. Aren't you glad that God views you and he sees you as he created you to be? He doesn't leave you stuck in where you are now. When he sees you, you know what he sees? Destiny. We see brokenness. He sees possibility. He can fix brokenness. He can fix all that stuff. He can get you exactly on the path where he wants you to be. You know what keeps you from your destiny? You. Me. We keep ourselves from our destiny. We do. God has a plan. Or how about Peter? Peter, the man that walked on the water, the man that was with Jesus, he saw all the miracles. Peter, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, is hanging out by a fire, and a little girl shakes him down. And because of what she says, he denies the Savior of the universe. He walked with him for three years. He denies him because of that little girl. Fear. Fear of the unknown. Even Esther had to deal with fear. Fear of not knowing what would happen to her if she walked into the king's chamber, and he says, no, girl, not today. You know what that meant for her? Death. Fear. Here's my point. Just because you're a follower of God, just because you're a follower of Jesus does not mean that you are exempt from trouble. In fact, let's just be real. The exact opposite is true. Jesus didn't tell you that your life was going to be a bowl of cherries and everything was going to be great. Follow me and everything's going to be awesome. He didn't promise that. In fact, he prepared us For trouble. He said this in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Where does our peace come? From our surroundings? Our peace comes from the God that lives inside of us. Your peace isn't about your environment. Your peace comes from the one that lives inside of you. He says, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When you give your heart to Christ, your troubles don't go away. He doesn't make your troubles evaporate. But you know what he does do? He gives you everything you need to be able to deal with and navigate your troubles and your fears. He said, Don't be afraid. And that's not an empty promise, those aren't empty words. He tells us those things and then he gives you what you need the tools to break through your fears and to break through your troubles. He gives you everything you need to deal with all of the little pieces that come with the trouble. You don't have to be afraid, beloved. You don't have to be afraid. He didn't promise that everything would be hunky-dory, but he promised to be with you, even in the valley of the shadow of death. He'll walk with us. He'll be with us. And that's beautiful. Now, there's another aspect here of trouble and fear that sometimes, again, I know we don't believe this, but we kind of do believe this sometimes, and that's this. Sometimes we think that trouble that we experience is always an indicator of God not being happy with us, God not being pleased with us. I thought that was me. That's you, Roger. Me and Roger have the same insulin little alert thing. Stop eating those cookies. <laughs> Sometimes we think when we experience trouble, that's an indicator that God's not happy with us. Now, I know as believers, we've never connected those dots for other people, right? Did you hear about them children? You know what? Things would be better if they'd have raised their children better. Do you hear what happened to that guy? Things would have been better if you would have treated him better. If he would have treated her better. You know, if they would have just followed Jesus, everything would have been fine. I know nobody has ever connected those dots, right? Some of the best parents I know have kids that are running crazy. The best parent I know, God, had two knuckleheaded kids named Adam and Eve. Right? Sorry. Where did God? God didn't read the right book. He wasn't part of the right group. Is that, can I say Don't send me an email. That was just funny and witty and it just popped right up. He knows about my group. Don't know. I don't know nothing about your group. Should have never said that, Jerry. I should have never said that. Don't get me wrong. I believe this when you follow God's plan, you reap the benefits of the kingdom. I believe that. I believe when you follow his principles in every aspect of your life, you will live your best possible life. But that does not mean you'll be exempt from trouble. It just doesn't. It's different stuff. Trouble is not always a sign of God being pleased with you. It's not. There's a great story about this in John 9. If you've got your Bibles, flipped there real quick. The same question that we have is the same question that the disciples had thousands of years ago when they encountered sickness and trouble. So the disciples are with Jesus and they encounter this. John 9 1 says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now, why did the disciples go right to there? Because they were part of an ultra-religious society. They tried to figure everything out. With every, for every cause, there's a reaction Everything that you do. And look at Jesus' answer. He says, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now we know this. What brings brokenness in our world? Does God bring suffering in our world? No. You know what brought suffering into our world? Adam and Eve's choice. You have this beautiful gift called free will. Do you know what you can do with your free will? You can eat a salad or you can eat a pizza. (laughs) thank you leo it's your choice with your free will you can glorify god or you can do whatever you want through the door that door that failure brokenness came into our world he did now god doesn't cause the brokenness he doesn't bring suffering in our worlds he doesn't do that but know this god will walk beside us in the suffering, and in the pain to reveal himself to us so that we can be more like him. You've heard me say this before, beloved. Every aspect of suffering and pain that you have to face gives you a new understanding, a new facet of who God really is. We sang about God being your healer today. And we can sing about that all day long, but how many of you know you won't really know God as your healer until you're sick and he heals you? Now, nobody here wants to be sick. But if you want to know God as your healer, you're going to have to take one for the team, baby. I don't know what to tell you. You know, some of you, you know, you, you sing about God being your provider. And the only way you really know God is your provider is if you are in need. I still remember the day, you know, Robert and I were having a Thanksgiving with the kids, and we had nothing. You know, one of the things that sometimes old churches used to do is we used to, to keep staff members from the evils of a high paying job. We want to keep you humble. We had no money for Thanksgiving. I remember a family showed up with a turkey, with everything, and they laid it in front of us, and Robin and I just cried because we had nothing. We had absolutely nothing. So I, when I sing about God being my provider, I go right back to that, to that, you know, that, that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We just prayed and we believed, and you know what? God's always provided. And understand this, in the midst of all that, we've always tithed, we've always followed the Lord, and he has always been faithful. Always. But how many you know every once in a while you get a little nervous? right? Aspects of God. When you walk through trouble and you lean into God with those things, he reveals himself to you in those things. See, that's one of the keys. When you encounter trouble, don't run away. Don't shrink back. Don't shut down. Lean into those things. Don't ask the question, why me? Ask the question, God, what do you want to do in me through this? Some of you know that God is always present. He is. So Esther has a choice. She could lean into the trouble, take a step of faith, or she could be silent. She decides to lean in and she decides to to lean into the trouble to take a step. How can we learn how to deal with the fear of the unknown, those things? We understand that trouble is going to come, so we don't run from trouble, we lean into it. It doesn't take us by surprise. We don't freak out. We're not chicken little Christians. The sky's falling, the sky's falling, the sky's... We don't do that. We lean into it. We understand this is a part of life, baby, and Jesus, God, you told me that you'd help me to navigate this, so let's just get this thing done. We know the trouble will persist. The second thing is this. We conquer fear by having the right perspective. Most of Christianity, again, how... Vibrant your faith is, deals with your posture and perspective, how you see. Are you seeing things through the eyes of God, or are you seeing things through the eyes of man? Are you seeing things through the eyes of fear, or are you seeing things through the eyes of faith? The church, we don't operate in fear, we operate in faith. It's important for us as believers then to have the right perspective. Now, when it comes to God and trouble, This is the foundational thing, guys, that we need to understand that will be a rudder that will help you through all kinds of situations. Here it is. Are you ready? Fundamental understanding. God is good. Say that with me. God is good. One more time. God is good. That is super important. If you believe in your heart that God is good, he's not out to get you, and he is the very best for your life, That means this, the decisions that you make, the things that that happen to to come across your path, God is sovereign. He's in control. That means he can turn everything for your good. If you believe he's good and he wants the best for you, it doesn't matter what you face. He'll turn it. He will not leave you abandoned. When you couple God's goodness with his sovereignty, we understand this, that God can take anything and turn it for the good in our lives. Your past. Your present and your future are all enveloped in His goodness. He saturates it all. Esther came to this understanding. Look at verse 16 again. After hearing all that Mordecai had to say, she came to this peace Go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, uh, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it's against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. Esther came to this understanding that even if she were to die, God's purposes would prevail and his goodness would still overarch everything. Even to understand this, you know, thousands of years before Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, Esther understood, hey, this place is not really my home. I'm meant for eternity and someday I'll be with him. That's where we are as believers. She understood the power of that. Sometimes as as Christians, what do we pray for? For God to make all those things go away. Take away the trouble, take away the pain, make it easy, make it light. And if God were to do that, you would never develop into the person that God created you to be, to who he wanted you to be. Do you know what you need? How many of you like to go work out? How many of you like to lift weights? How many of you like to lift tacos? Okay, kind of the same, right? Here's the premise for weightlifting. Resistance. The more resistance you have, the stronger and the bigger muscles you build. How many of you want to be a strong believer? You want to be a spiritual, you want people to be able to anchor to you. Guess what, baby? Buckle up, buttercup. Trouble's coming. Because that's what God does. He builds you up. That comes from all those things. You have to learn to navigate that. Here's a Jewish proverb that says this. I love this. I ask not for a lighter burden, but for broader shoulders. Stop praying for God to take all your troubles away and start praying, Lord, help me to deal with these things. Show me what I must be. Show me what I have to do. So why does God allow troubles, fears, all those things into your lives? Why does he not just wisp them and make them go away? Two little things that are going to be done. First is this to transform us. Do you know that God can use anything in your life to make you more like him if you let him? Anything. Anything. He can use all of it um, if you let him. Now, that's, that's the key phrase. Are you allowing God to use those things to shape you and to make you stronger? Anytime you face trouble, are you like a, a, a woe is me person? Or are you like a, all right, God's going to use this to do something awesome in me? Some of you are like, well, that's just crazy. When people do that, we think they're crazy. They're not crazy. They just have a different perspective. Now, this is crazy. You ready for this? For Esther. Esther came to this understanding that God placed her where she was for a purpose. Now, sometimes when you look at the story of Esther, you think the purpose is just for the people of Israel. And don't get me wrong. It was about saving her people. But this this whole situation actually did something deeper in Esther. It activated something in Esther. It gave her a deeper level of faith. And for Esther, the trouble brought forth transformation. Because if you read the rest of the story of Esther, it doesn't just stop in the saving of her people, but God uses the situation, and her people, instead of being eradicated, end up being what? Honored and blessed. And it doesn't even stop there. She learned, you know, that before, she probably relied on her outside talents and her outside beauty. But through this thing and through this step of faith, She had something happen to her on the inside that transformed her, made her powerful, made her strong. When you take a step of faith in the midst of trouble, you invite the power of the Holy Spirit to come into work deep inside of you. You allow him to strengthen you and to release you and to do things inside of you that will transform you so that God can use you in powerful ways. Do you understand Christianity is not built on the strength of what comes from this platform. Did you hear me? It's not just about the podcasts and the people you listen to every week. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You know what my main job is on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays and anytime I'm up in front of you? Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, baby. To equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Do you know who's supposed to operate in the supernatural? All of us. Do you know who's supposed to pray, lay hands on the sick and see them recover? All of us. Do you know who's supposed to preach the word boldly? All of us. Me, you, everybody, the weird guy sitting next to you. All of us. Step up. That comes with it. Trouble activates things if you let it. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us to develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope in salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He transforms you when things get weird and wonky. When things get tough, that's when you stand up, you buckle up, and you continue to move forward because God is developing things in you. And here's a crazy thing. The further you move with God, the more he brings your way so he can strengthen you for greater purposes if you trust him. God will use trouble to transform you, but that's not all. God will also use trouble to transform your world through you. This isn't just about you. This is about everybody that comes into contact with who you are. Not only does Esther experience personal transformation in the face of trouble, and that personal transformation is absolutely beautiful. Not only does she experience that, but because of her courage, not only did she save a people in a season, But those people ended up becoming, instead of being exterminated, they became blessed. And that's not just it. Because of this entire situation, this is nuts. The Jews made a festival about it. And they still celebrate it today. The Feast of Purim, it's all about this. Why? Because Esther made a step toward the king. Now, could Esther have known that thousands of years later, we'd still be talking about her. Have you ever thought about this? How many people do you know that lived on this planet 100 years ago? I mean, not non-famous people. You know, like Edison and those guys. We know them. But how many of you know Joe Schmo from Idaho that lived here 100 years ago? Some of you don't even know your family until you got on the Ancestry.com and all the other stuff. Now you have people that aren't your cousins. They're my cousins forever. You owe me money. What? We're still talking about her. Here's the point. We never truly know the impact that we have on other people's lives when you allow God in times of trouble to transform you and to transform the people around you through what God wants to do in your life. Here's the bottom line, people are watching you. What do they see? They're watching how you react to trouble. They're watching the things that you say. They're watching the things that you do. For a long time, beloved, the church, we've been a lot of talk. And we've been lacking in substance. They hear us say, fear not. And then they listen to us lose our minds because of something we saw on the news. So what are you teaching them? What are you showing them? How are you impacting your world? People are watching you. How you react to trouble tells people a lot about what you really believe about your faith. Talk is cheap, beloved. Um, I've told you, you know, someday when you get to heaven, I want you to look up Rose Rose Marie Harris. She's probably the strongest woman I've ever met in my life. Um, My mom, she was, you know, her story was amazing. She got saved in the Jesus movement of the late 70s. She grew up catholic married a greek so the greeks make everything greek she became greek hey if they give me food i don't care um i remember when god awakened her heart and she was the first one in our family to give her heart to christ created a firestorm and i watched my mom who was a strong powerful spiritual woman walk through troubles of life and in all the troubles that she faced she was unmoved She stayed tender. She stayed open. And uh, she was an incredible example to follow. I still remember the day she called me and she found out that she she had breast cancer. Now, my mother was one of 11. Nine of the 11 died of cancer. So it was a scary thing. And I remember saying, Mom, what are you going to do? She goes, nothing. She goes, my God's got this. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. She went through the surgeries. She went through the chemos, all the stuff. And my mom even in her weakened condition was strong and everything was fine. And I remember I was talking to her one day and she goes, and I said, I said, mom, I said, well, how are you going to navigate this? She goes, I ain't worried about it. She goes, I'm not going to die of cancer. God told me I'm not dying of cancer. So we would come back and visit. And about a year before she passed away, my brother and I were there. She goes, I want to go to church. She hadn't been to church in a while. So I said, okay, we're going to take you to church, mama. So we go to church. And at that point, my mom's in a wheelchair. She's got oxygen. So there's a lot of heavy equipment to get her to where she needs to go. You know what I mean? So we get her to church. And we happened to be there that day, and the pastor makes an announcement that they had just found out that his wife Renee was diagnosed with cancer. And it would just like it just crushed the whole congregation. It just took this whole thing and just made it a deep mourning thing. And the pastor preached, and it was a heavy morning. As soon as the sermon was done, my mom goes, "I need to be up there." I said, "Okay, mom, I'll, I'll wheel you up there. We'll get you prayed for." So I get out there and I wheel her up to the front. And one of the associate pastors, you know, the 22 year old associate pastor comes out, Mrs. Harris, let me pray with you. And she goes, No, no, no. And she goes, I want to talk to her. And she points to the lady Renee, the pastor's wife. And I said, Okay, we'll wait for Renee to come pray with you, blah, 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 blah. So I'll, I'll never forget this. We pull up, her, Renee comes right to the front of her, the pastor's wife. My mother stands out of her wheelchair and puts her hands on Renee's shoulders and starts to pray. And she's praying for God to heal this woman. And she's praying for peace and all these things. And I'm watching in front of me as this lady Renee, tears start to stream down her face. Then the pastor comes over and his wife. And she, and and everybody's crying and it's a cry fest. And my mom's shaking this lady. We're going to get through. We're going to get through. And then my mom, like Yoda, sits right back down in her chair and goes, okay, I'm done. Wheel me back. So I wheel her back. I'm like, what just happened? I'm sitting in the back and everybody's still emotional up there and it's crazy. And I said, mom. I said, man, I said, this is amazing. I said, I can't believe it. I said, what gave you the the gumption to want to do this? She goes, sweetheart. She goes, who better to know the fears and the unknown with cancer than somebody that's already walking the road? She goes, I've cried all night already. She goes, I've made peace with my Savior. He's got me completely taken care of, and if he can take care of me on the road, he can take care of Renee. She goes, I want to let her know she's not alone. She goes, God has given me authority over this. You know what's funny? Renee to this day is cancer-free. She is. My mother taught me something about embracing and leaning into your troubles. The enemy wants to grip you with fear, to use those things to destroy you. That's not God's plan at all. Do you know that anything that God gives you the strength to conquer becomes a weapon in your hand? Some of, <laughs> Roger. Some of you have battled addiction, and you've, beat, and you've beat addiction. Do you know that for all of you that are here this morning, you've beaten and you've battled addiction? That is now a weapon in your hand, and God gave you that weapon for a sole purpose, to lead others into freedom. So don't just be consumed about yourself. Lead others into freedom. Everything that God's given you, the strength to defeat, God gives you as a weapon in your hands. You know, my mother never died of cancer. She told me one night, she said, I'm going to die in my sleep. God's going to take me. I'm just going to take a breath here and take a breath in heaven. It's going to be beautiful. I remember the day I got the call. She died. She goes, she fell asleep. Of course she did because that's, that's what she wanted. And I was told by many people that my mother was her favorite. So here's my question for you today. What are you allowing trouble in your life to do to you? Fear. Does it grip you? Has it paralyzed you? Does it keep you from becoming the people that God wants you to be? The person that God created you to be? If you allow it to run in your life unchecked, it will. God is not afraid of weakness. He comes to us in the midst of our weakness and He gives us strength. He's not afraid of your fears, He's not afraid of your troubles. For some of you, you tried to carry this stuff way too long all by yourself. And God has other plans for you because he wants to change the world through you. I love this. This is 2 Corinthians twelve, ten, It says this. I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. All of us have trouble in our lives. The enemy wants to amplify your troubles through fear and through worry. Instead of fear, lean into faith. Instead of asking God, why me? Ask God, what do you want to do through me, through this? What are you trying to produce in me? Take a different posture, let Him use what you're facing. To advance the kingdom. Bow your heads real quick. Here's my question: Are you in the midst of worry today? Has fear gripped your heart? Do you need a fresh touch of God's perspective today? I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. And ask him: say, Lord, am I walking this walk? Am I facing these troubles with faith? Or am I allowing fear to win? Listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.